When you first hear about his CCG project, you might think Nick is out of this world. Delving a bit deeper, however, you learn that this project manager helps students learn about the unknown right here in our own uncharted capabilities. Our guest today is one of our CCG project managers, Dr. Nick Delange, a valued member of our fabulous marketing and business intelligence team at Wingate University. Nick is also the co-founder and current project manager for our Alien project. So learn more about this project as well as Nick during our episode. So hello, I'm Kathy Wright. I'm the director of the CCG and associate professor in the religion department. And this is Against the Grain. <laughs> Today's episode focuses on our Wingate movers and shakers. You will learn how various movers and shakers around Wingate University are working to improve the lives of our students, faculty, staff, and community. Our guest today is Dr. Nick Delange. We are excited to discuss his role in the CCG, both about the alien creation and where it is today. But before we get to the hard stuff, let's start with some fun facts to help our listeners get to know you better. So. Nick, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? All right, that is a good question. And after thinking a lot about it, I decided what would get me the most of like the food groups all in one food. <laughs> and so uh, very broadly, I picked burritos. <gasps> burritos! Right? You mm -hmm. get rice, you get lettuce, you get meat in there, you get veggies, yep. all kinds of good stuff. So I'm saying burritos but after if i have to get really specific you would have like grilled chicken and peppers and onions and rice and mm -hmm. stuff like that very nice for the rest of your life burritos man that's 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 uh, risky and yet <laughs> uh full of fun yeah. all right so here's our second question for you if you were quarantined for at least two weeks or more <laughs> or more yes with three different celebrities and or famous people either alive or dead who would you choose to hang out with and why? Also a very good question because then I have to think, would Salvador Dali get along with Jack uh, White? And I have to really think uh, about, are these guys going to get along with each other? And so um, I really do like uh, Jack White of the White Stripes, okay. singer and guitar player, because he, he has a very strong belief that anyone can make music and music can be made from anything. And so he'll go, he'll often go to like, junkyards and trash piles and just put together a bit of string on an old can and then play these melodies that are just amazing. So if I had to be stuck with someone, I'd want to be someone who can make music out of anything. That's true. Great right? innovator. I love yeah, it. Yeah, he is. Um, the second one is, uh, if you've ever seen Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. <laughs> Nick Offerman, I think, would be a cool choice because he's funny. He's got some great stories. Um, and he's actually a pretty accomplished woodworker. And so he's very crafty, very creative, good with his hands. I think that'd be a cool person to, you know, get some art in. Yep. Right? Oh, look at you. I was thinking house in. or building or <laughs> sure. whatever, you know. You could build extensions on the house. You could <laughs> do, make a canoe. I don't know. Whatever you do during quarantine with Nick Offerman. But yeah, uh -huh. 
for and laugh a lot. Right, you laugh a ton. He's got an appreciation for nature. It's great, and an enviable beard. So (laughs) I can get beard grooming tips from him too. Um, And the third one, uh, I actually picked C.S. Lewis because I think what great conversation to have with everybody, right? If I'm going to be stuck in quarantine, probably want to have a good conversationalist. And so that's true. I like the philosophy, and I really like to learn more and more. Um, ah. about that area so I think C.S. Lewis would be a good one but there were a lot of runners up I know there I know it's so hard up. so hard but no that it's interesting we ask everyone that comes on our show uh, and our podcast to do this because it really gives us a little bit of an insight into mm. your brain and how it yeah. works and who you who you would you know connect and I'm thinking you know, the last two people, I don't know. That would be interesting. <laughs> I think they would both drive each other crazy, and that would be kind of fun That's, to watch. I think so, too. And I had, so first versions had Blackbeard. Oh, yeah. I was oh, like, hey, yeah. that'd be cool. Good stories, you know, interesting person. I had I had Salvador Dali on my list at one point, yeah. but I didn't think he'd get along with Blackbeard, so yeah. <laughs> I had to cut somebody out. That's true, and we only give you three, so yeah. thank you for, uh, for the parameters of it. But, no, we yeah. love getting a glimpse into your brain. I think it gives our listeners... Um, insight as to what's to coming. So, okay, (laughs) let's do this. Let's talk a little bit about your history at Wingate. Because like other movers and shakers, I'm a transplant from Canada. Uh, I know other people have moved from other places to come and work at Wingate. But tell us about your history at at Wingate. You've been moving and shaking around here for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, since you were two, because now you're only like, what? 20, so not that long. Uh, And what is your favorite story you like to tell? And who do you think is or was a mover and shaker on this campus that you want to give a shout out to? Yeah, that's it's funny you say that because I have been here almost 20 years. No way. Yeah. I've been here almost 20 years. So you started when you were two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I also, while I was in college, I had long dreadlocks. We gotta have I a picture. A fairly... We gotta put a picture up. <laughs> there's there's pictures out there. Although when you have dreadlocks in college, not many of your friends own cameras and things like that. That is so... true. That is true. <laughs> um, yeah, and I rarely wore shoes anywhere that I went. Um, you know, was, I'm looking under the table it. right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. I do have them. <laughs> um, they wouldn't let me in the cafeteria after a little while and all this stuff. So I was very uh, active in like you can environmentalism and stuff like that. And one time, Scott Hunsucker, if you know. Oh, yes. Um, Our director of operations. Yes, yep. He was uh, taking some small trees out of the middle of a walkway, really to clear up the walkway. It was pretty inconvenient to walk through. But for some reason, I took it as such a slight against nature. And I was like, you have to promise to replant these trees. And so I went down there in my best tie-dye shirt and cut-up pants, (laughs) dreadlocks, barefoot and all, I stepped into his office and I was like, Scott, we have got to talk about these trees. He looked over and he goes, with the most serious face, he goes, get out of my office right now. (laughs) It was perfect. And we're great friends now. I love Scott now and everything. And it was so perfectly timed and played out. It was just the best. It's fair. That's fair. That yeah. is fair. Oh, uh, man, I am so yeah. sending you down to his <laughs> office about trees in the near future. Oh, it was so funny. Uh, so, you know what he did? He His compromise was, he goes, okay, every Earth Day, I'll allow you guys, your group, to plant trees on campus. 
which was his way of getting us to put the trees in that he already planned on planting on campus to do the work for him. Yeah, but you learned. It's all about learning for students. It is. It is. Um, I'm going to make this question a little bit longer because um, a mover and shaker on campus. uh, I don't know if many people will remember Dangerfield Ashton. Not that's before my time, but tell me a little bit about him. He was an art and sculpture teacher here, Um, always in overalls and always a cowboy hat. He didn't have a place to, he's from South Carolina, he didn't have a place to stay in Wingate. So if he taught on back to back days, he slept under his truck just so he didn't have to drive all the way back to Mm -hmm. South Carolina. He would come to class wearing a tutu over his overalls, he would come to class with a hat made of chicken feathers. He would come to class and just be the most wildly out there, delightful person that you could ever meet. And But he was so invested in the students' appreciation for what they were doing. Not for the perfect version of art, but for what they created. And you just never saw that. You always saw like, oh, your lines are off here and your perspective is off here. He would always force us to find like the best parts of what we were doing. And he was always really good about telling everyone that they could be an artist and that everyone should be getting A's in art because who's anyone else to say that that art deserves an F? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, Interesting. The only, the only thing. Sounds like he would get along famously with your musician. Yes. With Jack White. With Jack yeah. White. He, um, he was amazing. I went skydiving with him. We no went, way. We went on a skydiving trip together. Um, a couple students and he and we and us, we went skydiving. Um and he, uh, he had a motto that I still recall. And his, his word is that he lived by were comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Oh, so, I like that. I like that. I always kind of took that with me. And uh, so Dangerfield. And sadly, a few years ago, he passed away. Um, I can't remember. It was a type of cancer, but I, the type escapes me now. But he did pass away. So very, very sad to lose him. But I think he was an awesome mover and shaker on campus. Wow. Someone that can teach us something about what we need to be doing and continue doing. Yeah. And probably one that butted heads with Scott Hunsucker, too. Ah! Who knew that Scott would come up twice during this conversation? I know. We're going to have to send this to Scott, if you're listening, hi. Love you. (laughs) Um, All right. Who's your second mover and shaker? Larry Coleman. Oh, yes. Theater director. Yep. He directed the theater program and he. he kind of ran the Bat Center operations for some time. Um, he just had an awesome, awesome way about life. Just had an awesome um, emotion and a really, really welcoming and warm and genuinely caring uh, character about him. And he gave me, he pushed me into my first theater role. Ooh, so which I, was? This was my, was my senior year here at Wingate. And I'd never done theater before. I'd never done theater in high school or anything. And he goes, Nick. We've got a perfect, perfect role for you. Will you come and like be a part of the audition, uh, the, the musical? And I said, yeah, totally. And he goes, do you want to know what it is? I was like, nope. Just tell me the first day of practice what it is. And he goes, Nick, in theater, it's not called practice. It's called rehearsal. Yeah. I said, well, I guess <laughs> I've got learning. a lot to learn. Yeah. Um, so it was the it, we did Grease. And I was Johnny Casino singing Born to Hand Jive at the dance. Oh, so, very nice. Born to Hand Jive was my claim to fame. Oh. Three, three nights of sold out shows at the Bat Center. Very nice. I was in Greece. And oh. I owe that to Larry Coleman because he made me do it. Wonderful. Yeah. And I was very lucky. My very first year here, 
he took my course. Oh, nice. He was in my class, and I know he was suffering from Parkinson's, yep. and yet it didn't matter. When he came into class, he was like sunshine. Absolutely. And all the students, he the, it was a smaller class. It was an intimate class about GPS ethics, so we mm-hmm. were talking about all sorts of things. He would send me things. But it was such a wonderful, almost mentorship. Yeah. Um, so I'm always grateful for that experience um, in the class, like teaching mm-hmm. with Larry Coleman, even though he was a student. Yeah, it was great. I took a class that he taught public speaking and just the way he gets you to feel comfortable and confident about yourself and what you're speaking about. We read a book called Stargirl. Have you ever heard of that? I have Phenomenal book Stargirl. just about individuals being individuals. Really, really cool. Very nice. Yep. All right. I think we have time for one <laughs> more person of oh. mover and shaker or a okay. funky story. Yeah. Um, man, all of my um, movers and shakers seem to be kind of art related. Of course, the easy ones are Rhett Brown oh, and yeah. people like that. But we, that, we're, this well, is knew, not an easy podcast. No, I knew Rhett um, before, obviously, before he was president. He was in admissions when I was in admissions. And so I did like the way he kind of changed our approach to undergraduate enrollment, I think that definitely made a difference. It was one of the big reasons why we moved from classes of 350 to classes of 1050 um, was under his his leadership. And so I thought that was good. If you think about like campus-wide movers and shakers, Rhett's obviously an easy easy choice. But I'm going to stick with my arts theme and say Marilyn Hartness Woo! is another <laughs> mover and shaker too. Um, again, just never meet someone who thinks of education so differently and is so in a such a student-centered way and um you talk about lessons that you learn for a lifetime like you learn them from Marilyn Hartness you learn them from knowing her as a person um we visited her in the hospital when she was undergoing her cancer treatments and we would exchange DVDs and everything um and we've had get-togethers out at her farm you know we would go over there and help dredge her lake and just talk um and it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. And she started the uh, the Wingate 5K. Yes. For Lymphoma? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's still ongoing. So yeah. every spring. So if yeah. you're interested, you know, yeah. stay tuned for details on that. Fun fact, my wife and I have won the first award, the first, you don't say first annual, but the first of the awards for the first stroller finish. Oh, stroller. Yeah. Owen was only about six months at the time of her first race, and she and I traded off running with the stroller, and we weren't the first people to finish the race, but we were the first stroller to finish the race. So Sweet. From then on, she has her first stroller finish. Um, Very nice. Placement, so. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. All right, so question number two. I would love to know how you first got involved with the CCG and how that initial experience led to your current role today. Yeah, um, it actually started one summer with uh, Dr. Chris Harris. I had known him from teaching in the um, Community and Commercial Rec program, CCR, and he knew I taught outdoor recreation. And he came to me and he said, hey, we just met with this guy. He's got like 1,300 acres in South Carolina that is largely untouched land, uh, wilderness-type land, and he wants Wingate to do something with it. 
and he wants programming, he wants students there, and he wants to be active, and he wants them to be thinking and doing and everything. Um, and we need someone who knows adventure, someone who knows. And um, is that your background? What's your is, PhD yeah. in? Um, kinesiology uh-huh. is my uh, was my studies, but my dissertation was on adventure programming. And so the, you have a PhD in adventure. Adventure. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I am deeply steeped in adventure programming and all the wonderful benefits of everything from challenge courses to wilderness hikes to um, scavenger hunts and all those different things that you do um, out in the woods as groups to develop as leaders and people and stuff like that. So so you are the perfect person to have <laughs> been tapped on the shoulder. Yeah. When there's 1,300 acres of untouched forest land in South Carolina and you need to make programs out of it, I was... I was ready to go. Uh, I've, just, I've been waiting my whole life for that call. So. Excellent. Well, tell us a little bit about the Alien Project, which is really that manifestation of that first tap on the shoulder. Yeah. Um, and I should say, too, Alien is an acronym. Yes. Um, and it you stands... You don't go looking for little green people? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Alien Project, uh, it stands for Adventure Leadership Immersion Experience in Nature. So, I mean, it really, the name tells you a lot of what we do, and we do focus on adventure um, for definitely for specific reasons. We do want to develop leadership in students, in um, faculty, in staff, in community members, too, um, in groups, on a personal level. We focus on all these things over the course of either one to three days of programming um, that we've kind of built this kind of movable, adjustable, a la carte style um, wealth of programming and topics and activities that we can kind of really cater um, any group that comes to us. So say an RSO or a fraternity comes to you and says, we want to develop our leadership team. What would you say? I'd say, let's do it. Um, The first kind of things that we ask if an RSO comes to us and we would find out immediately how many people, mm-hmm. right? How long they're able to come for. If it's just a day, then we might just focus on one or two primary activities. Usually, if it's more than a day, two or three days, um, we'll incorporate a lot more uh, reflection time and discussion time. Um, because Where would they stay? So that's the fun part. Um, on the property, um, there aren't many houses. And so... We've done everything from build our own shelters out of what we found in the wilderness. Um, we, we did not live in them. Right. No, we don't live in them. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we have built our own shelters, um, tents and yurts mostly. Yurts. Um, and, the, and every participant is required to set up their own tent uh, um, and yurt as part of the team building. And so um, they have a little, uh, uh, little yurt town set up. There's five mm-hmm. or six different ones and um, the yurts are provided, but the setup is not. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, everyone's required to do that themselves, and there's fires for cooking, and there, I mean, the facility has kitchens and bathrooms and all the fun amenities, but um, we really encourage kind of a, a removal from from those comforts of home and from technologies and that sort of thing, and what we want, and one of the reasons Alien plays so nicely with this kind of idea is because it is foreign to a lot of us, right? What's the first thing you touch when you get up in the morning? Your phone. That, often that's what people say. Your phone, and, right? And so that that informs who you are. We read social media, especially in COVID. We seem mm-hmm. to be self-isolating, but through social media, we're, we're developing who we are and how we react to things, whereas alien is foreign to that. It's right. connecting to 
would you say nature is the source of who you are as a leader? I think, yeah, you, nature and what it can teach you a lot about yourself through the lessons that it has when you just kind of read how nature kind of exists in harmony and how there's always balance there. Things disrupt nature. Mm-hmm. Floods disrupt nature. Man disrupts nature. But nature constantly is working towards that harmonious balance mm-hmm. um, that you can see. And you can see evidence of any time that you're out in the wilderness, when it, especially when it's untouched like that. So let's take another little break before we come back and learn more about the Alien Project. So you take people out here, so it could be a fraternity, it could be a community group. I'm really interested in the idea of community stakeholders and community members so the CCG is, we're all about doing with, not to or for, mm-hmm. uh, but working with our community members. Um, so the idea that the triple bottom line is really important. So you really focus on the social and the ecological and kind of the economic. We're looking at the economic kind of as kind of a tertiary part of the triple bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about the now and the future for um, Eastern Union County mm-hmm. and this kind of democracy, this process where we're all participants and we're all contributors, we all have something to give and something to receive and to learn. So how does the Alien Project kind of fit into the CCG, especially with respect to our community members? What are some of your hopes and kind of goals for that? Yeah, and I think that um, what makes strong community and what makes strong community members is um, group leaders that lead well, right? So True. if whether it's a, a, a food pantry or a, a shelter or um, a, business. a business, a public mm-hmm. school, anything, it, um, if they're leading well, then they're going to lead the community well. Mm-hmm. They're going to lead Union County well um, in a good direction if they are able to understand what leadership looks like and how they can best serve their community. And I think that's what our alien program really intends to do is kind of develop these qualities in the primary stakeholders of the county so that they can then go out and uh, live out these lessons that they've learned and these skills that they've attained and that sort of thing. So I think by doing that in nature, we remove a lot of their um, maybe anxieties, a lot of their stressors, and a lot of their distractions, mm-hmm. so they can really get to the heart of what makes being um, a citizen. A, yeah, a, yeah, I was going to say a leader out of that person. That's you know? true. What, what helps them live for someone else, what helps them develop as a leader. Um, Do you want to give any hints as to some of the, <laughs> the kind of the core outcomes? What makes a good leader? I know you have a few. We won't tell all your secrets, but... Yeah, um... Every time we we kind of run programs like this, communication comes to the top of the list every time. And how this could have gone differently if we'd only communicated more, or we would have been more successful if we communicated in a different way, or I understood this person was trying to communicate with me one way and I just wasn't receiving that communication. And so you look at giving and receiving communications and um, whether it's direction or... Um, or just suggestions or tips or guidance in different ways. And so learning about how you communicate and how you receive communication is a big part of, I think, being a leader. Um, and and then, doing it in nature gives yeah. you an interesting context for right. doing that. And doing it with 
the, that's the reason we use adventure as part of that because when you introduce kind of the concept of adventure of as a um, a group development mm-hmm. um, aspect, it's incorporating risk, mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's minor risk, right? Um, you could fall off something, you could get hurt, you could um, you know do all these things. So having responsibility for the risk to yourselves and sometimes to other people too mm-hmm. kind of makes you think in a different way it puts a little bit of um what i would call positive stress mm-hmm. on you it, critical thinking stress and that it like any muscle or any other skill that your brain develops thinking critically and thinking um imaginatively. yeah imaginatively and effectively under stressful situations can um kind of transfer that skill to other aspects of your life. Oh, like Just, uh, coming back to campus <laughs> yeah. during a pandemic? Right, right. Uh, learning how to navigate a challenge course mm-hmm. in, the, in the woods, um, learning how to build a shelter in the woods and failing at it and trying it again and you know working with a group. Those skills of perseverance and hardiness and communication and um, adaptability, those aren't just skills the secret is those aren't just skills for building shelters in the woods. Oh. Those are skills for coming back to campus, dealing with kids that are homeschooled from now on. Yes, <laughs> like, leading your uh, RSO, right? And leading your leading RSO. your the SGA into projects and things. Right. So you're right. And actually, this would be very good for faculty if mm-hmm. a department wants to kind yeah. of be become better leaders. Um, or RSOs or community members. Yeah. And we already have a few community groups that are interested. Yep, that's right. Uh, the Trinity Wellness Center. I know you're, you're, the podcast that you're going to hear before this one, um, we're going to have it up probably by middle of next week, is the director. And she works with single local working moms. Hmm. And imagine resilience and yeah. communication and adaptability, how yeah. that could give... Uh, anyone a leg up so that's one um, we have others like our egg extension that wants to mm-hmm. uh, but for our students and faculty and staff this might be a really neat opportunity for yeah. people to um, grow as a leader because we're yeah. all leaders right. in our own spheres of influence that's right. uh, so and, you know if, if yeah. we come away from it with a maybe a rejuvenated sense of an appreciation for nature Bonus. That's great. Bonus, right? Well, that's the triple bottom line yeah. is our well-being, our social well-being is connected to the health of the ecosystems around us. And if we have right. leaders in our community that recognize that, then we right. might develop our area differently. Right. Um, our economic systems are, are predicated on the wealth of our ecological and social systems, social mm-hmm. capital. So how they all intersect is something that you work on and uh, is a very important part for developing any part of our county, especially our Eastern Union County. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the upcoming project and prototype um, and how it connects with the CCR class. And, yeah, and... so that's a really cool development that Dr. Harris has been able to work into his curriculum. He teaches a course, um, it's a generally a special topics course, but what he's kind of developed it into is this program where the students in the class, usually 20, 25 students, get together in groups and design programming for the alien project, mm-hmm. right? So they, college students are designing programs that both college students and community members um, could do. And they're putting in the research and they're finding best practices and model programs and all these wonderful things that- And they're so creative. Yeah, and they're coming up with this stuff that, you know, is great because they're basically designing the blueprints for projects that give us this huge repertoire of, 
activities that we can present or that we can offer for community members or even other college groups too. So the idea is that you know, for one semester, they develop this programming and they research outcomes and distal and proximal um, outcomes and these behavior models and everything for, for different groups. And then the following semester, they facilitate some of the, we kind of pick and choose which ones, but they facilitate some of those programming um, with other groups that come out to the Alien Project. And that continues the cycle of we bring them up in developing programs, and then we train them to be facilitators. And so through training, so they get them, to test their own prototype. Right, they get to test ah, it. They get to see like that work that didn't work, right? Yeah, and they apply it. And uh, but it also ensures that we have kind of a never-ending um, sustainable yeah, stream. sustainable stream of students who are trained in facilitating this kind of thing. Could so, they get jobs as facilitators absolutely. after this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if it's an area that they want to go into, you think about all kinds of youth camps and um, summer camps and all Corporate kinds of programs. Corporate leadership. Corporate leadership <laughs> retreats. It's a huge, huge deal. Yeah. Um, anything outdoors related, even, the, you know, you can look more deeply into the business side of it and everything too. But um, yeah, hopefully these students are getting a lot out of it. So. And I think our community partner, Southern Eights Farms in Chesterfield, with Brad Turley at the helm, <laughs> Um, he's very excited to work with the young people and their ideas because he's an entrepreneur. So the idea of them designing their own kind of aspects of the project. And then I think we have about, you know, nine, 10 volunteers from that class to mm -hmm. test it. Uh, yep. Safe distancing. We have 1,300 yep. acres. I think they'll be more than six feet apart. Plenty of, plenty, plenty of feet apart with mass. Um, but they're going to go through the activities. And he's really excited as a community partner to work with the university and young people and kind of build them into their own entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and creative thinking and problem solving. So something on paper might sound really good. <laughs> right. But then in reality, it's like this does not quite work the way it, it's supposed to. And that is an entrepreneurial mindset that no business goes from point A to point Z, straight line. Um, and the idea of being resilient and agile is yeah. a, a component we've had to in COVID. Right. So with COVID, how do you, how do you uh, run events like this or facilitate leadership in a very virtual world? And I think this is a very handy skill set um, mm -hmm. and still connect with nature, connect mm -hmm. with adventure. Um, and their resilience as leaders. So that's kind of neat. So tell us a little bit about how someone could get involved. So I know our listeners are probably going, wow, I want my class to go. <laughs> yeah. I want to go. I want to take my family. I want, you know, this company to be a part of it or this stakeholder. So how do they get involved? Uh, really, if you just contact uh, myself, Dr. Harris. Mm -hmm. Myself, you, yeah. Kathy, yeah. yeah. Or Lacey Ritter. Yeah, or as Lacey well. Ritter. Um, send us an email and we'll get right back to you and let you know, just get a little more details like where you're located, how many people, what types of programming, and that kind of thing. And the nice thing is, um, you can just let us know that you're interested in the leadership program and we will design it from there. You know, we might ask you a few questions about um, the people coming and just for general sense of numbers and everything, but. Um, and that's the yeah. participatory process is as participants, you're still contributing to the design, but you have a lot to pick from, a lot to choose. Right. And, right. and there's not like a, there's not a prerequisite skill set. There's not a, you know, a, a need a for time you to frame. You have to go overnight. You, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have to be familiar with the outdoors already. You don't have, to, I mean, mm -hmm. the 
further removed you are from that, the better, honestly, the more you stand to gain from it. So, mm-hmm. um, so think, contact us is a good, yeah. good way. Um, yeah. And also, I think we have planned, we were hoping pre-COVID to do <laughs> three in the fall semester and three in the spring semester. So we have lots of openings for, yeah. for groups. And we are very evidence-based. So you will be doing some surveys, some mm-hmm. feedback, because the participatory process that knowledge democracy is the how of the CCG is to show what kind of impact. So we want to know, does this work? How does it work? What could be better? So you'll be part of kind of our, our mini research team as well uh, to figure out how the alien project trains the leaders of tomorrow mm-hmm. in the midst of mm-hmm. so much uncertainty so it's it's kind of a neat research project as well yeah. so if you're interested yeah. definitely do reach out yeah. cool right. any last words of wisdom from the you know shoeless nature loving <laughs> former dreadlocks um individual that you would love to tell our our listeners in amongst, amongst all of this uncertainty as an adventure leader? I do. What got me through uh, my doctorate program, what got me through was um, the phrase, now go outside and play. Mm. Go outside and play. Really, I mean, it sounds silly, it sounds simple, but it's not telling you to go get exercise. It's not telling you to stay inside and watch TV. I think outside has been really great for this COVID yep. situation, right? Yeah. You can be outside a lot of times. You don't have to abide by distancing, yes, but um, a lot of the things. But nature has been a, a saving grace in a lot of ways for this time. And um, just the idea of playing outside, doesn't it just bring you back to being a kid and having less anxiety and less um, feelings of uncertainty and mm-hmm. that sort of thing? And so... Throughout my grad program, my grad email address, the signature was my go outside and play. So I always thought it was funny that I would write these long emails to my program directors and everything, and then it was telling her to, all right, now that you've read this email, you've done your work, now go outside and play. I love it. On that note, everyone, go outside and play. Go outside and play. Yeah. So stay tuned, though, for more exciting Against the Grain episodes where we will focus on sowing the seeds of change in Eastern Union County. Bye.